All right, well, we're going to start out this morning. I, was, I did a little reading. I read a kind of a synopsis book this week uh, on the Great Wall of China. <laughs> you might be thinking, why, why in the world are you sharing this with us? But I thought this was fascinating. In ancient China, when uh, they built the, the Great Wall, it was largely to keep out invaders, barbaric enemies uh, that lived to the north. The thought was, if you can build a wall high enough and thick enough that no enemy will be able to scale it, no enemy will be able to break through it, it will be impenetrable. But in the first 100 years after the wall was completed, China was successfully invaded three times. And the, the fascinating part about that is, is you wonder, well, well man, how'd that happen? Like, did, did somebody find a way to kind of break through the wall? Did they find a way to kind of scale it and go over? Can't go under it. Can't go over. <laughs> but, but the thing that's fascinating is they did none of those things. Uh, they merely, uh, the, the, the way that the enemy got in all three times was to simply bribe a gatekeeper. Isn't that fascinating? They didn't have to scale the walls. They didn't have to bust through this enormous wall. They just had to find somebody who lacked the character and courage to do what's right. And with that, a simple bribe, the, I mean, China was invaded and overtaken three different times. I read a recent national uh, retail security survey that was done uh, recently that this is fascinating that reports that employee theft, now I'm not talking about shoplifting, but theft from their own employees topped $32 billion a year of loss in the U.S. $32 billion because their employees are stealing from their companies. I look at that and I think, man. You don't have to bust through it. You don't have to. The whole thing comes tumbling down if we simply lack the, care, the courage and the character to do what's right. If you look at survey after survey, one after the other, uh, what, what uh, people that work in different corporations, with people who work for diff- pretty much any different company, any different organization in the world, they, they long for and they, they want bosses and managers and leaders, they want them to be somebody they can respect, somebody who has integrity, integrity somebody who's honest, someone who has a clear set of convictions, a, a, a definite and a good character and has the backbone to do what is right. Courage and character. All I have to do is mention a few names like Nixon or Enron or even uh, Harvey Weinstein and, uh, and even a number of Christian leaders and pastors that we've watched kind of get taken out in the last year or two. All I have to do is mention some of those things and it reminds us about how big a deal character and courage are to leadership. It makes all the difference in the world and especially as we're talking about this whole idea of having influence as Christ followers. Do you think integrity, do you think character and the courage to live that, you think that matters? Absolutely. makes all the difference in the world. We are on week number three of a series that we've been doing called Leadership by the Book. And throughout this series, we're talking about the leadership lessons that we can learn straight from God's book, straight from the Bible. And we've been talking about the fact that God has designed each and every one of us. He has called you. If you are a Christ follower, then God has called you. He has designed you. He has made you to have influence, to be able to impact the world around you. And therefore, he's called you to be a leader. Last week we talked about self-leadership and some of the issues dealing with our walk with God and learning to stand with Him, learning to strengthen ourselves in the Lord we talked about. 
This week I want to talk a little bit more about courageous, faith-filled leadership because not only is it important for us to believe the right things or to know the right things in our hearts or in our lives, but we've got to have the courage to stand up and do what's right. You know what I'm talking about? It's courage. It's courageous leadership that makes a huge difference in our world. It makes a huge difference in our own lives, in our own influence. Courage to stand, even when it'd be easier to bow down. Courage to speak the truth or to say what's right, even though it would be way easier to be silent. Courage to follow the Spirit's promptings, even when it takes us way outside of our comfort zones. Courage to live for God's kingdom and for the vision that He has put in front of us. When everybody around us says, hey, man, just kind of go with the flow. Would you just relax? It's going to be way too hard. Just kind of take it easy with that religion stuff. It takes courage to make a difference. That's what we're going to be talking about. I was thinking this week about all the different biblical heroes, the heroes of the faith, people that if uh, you've been around the church scene or been around the Bible much at all, you've heard the names of, right? You kind of, people that we look up to and we aspire to be like them, but just thinking about the tremendous courage that they had to live for Christ and live for God in their day. People like Abraham, when God says, here's what I want you to do, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son whom you love, and I want you to take him on his journey, and you're going to take him up the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him there. Yeah, did he just get quiet in the room? I mean, can you imagine? And he does it, right? He, he actually takes the sun, he takes the wood, the torch, the knife, and he goes up the mountain to sacrifice his son. And uh, we, if you know the story, God rescues him, God provides another. He says, don't do it. But, I mean, man, that is courageous living right there. That's courageous faith. Or Caleb, well, I mentioned the story uh, last week, but Caleb, who at 85 years of age says, hey, I'm ready as I've ever been. Give me the land that God has promised. He's, he's like, give me a sword, strap it on, I'm going in, right? I'm going to go take this land. Now, it would have been real easy, especially at that age, to say, let's let the younger guys do it, right? Come on, go go and kind of have your way. But no, he, he had tremendous confidence that God, even at 85 years old, God was able to do through him exactly what he had promised, right? Or think about Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. He had sort of this battle between him and the prophets of Baal. Some of you have heard this story or, or remember it, where he says, hey, let's, uh, we're going to prepare offerings. You can, you can prepare it to your God, the God at Baal, right? You prepare this offering, the sacrifice kind of thing. I'll prepare a sacrifice and an offering to the true God over here, and then you can pray. And whichever God answers by fire, he's the true God, and the opposing prophets get killed. Ready, set, go, right? I mean, can you imagine? Did that take, did that take courage? I mean, it's jaw-dropping kind of stuff, isn't it? Like, can you imagine going through that and thinking, God, you better come through. I hope that was you. If, even if, if it wasn't, could you kind of get on board with my plan? Because like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Or Moses, who goes to Pharaoh, God commands him and tells him, he says, go to Pharaoh, go to the king, the most powerful person in the world at that time, and tell him, hey, let God's people go or else. Gulp. I mean, he could... This, this guy could have you killed by snapping his fingers. Or else what, <laughs> right? Like, what are you going to do, little punk, right? I mean, like, come on, where do you get off talking to me like that? Or Daniel, who's, who says, man, I, you know, I know it's illegal. I know it could cost me my life to pray, but I'm praying anyway, come what may. Throw me into the den of lions. God's able to 
to protect me, whatever. Or I was thinking as well, the three, uh, the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Who, uh, uh, the, the king of that day builds a huge statue of himself and says, Here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going I'm to play this obnoxious sound, and when you hear it, I want all of you to bow down and worship this image of me, right? <laughs> oh, this image of gold. Uh, so when you hear the sound, do it. Everybody bows down except these three. Can you imagine? You're on a plane. Everybody bows down and worships the statue, but there's three people still standing, and the king calls them forward and says, uh, maybe you didn't understand right. Maybe you didn't hear what I was saying, but, but it I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to play the music. When you hear it, you bow down and you worship or you're dead. And this is what they say. This is fascinating. Uh, Daniel 3.17 says, go to the next slide if you would. Yeah, he says, if, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. He will deliver us from you, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will neither serve nor your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. You think that takes courage? Our God is able to save us, but even if we die, we will not, we will not serve you. We will not worship your gods. We will not serve your gods. We will stand. I mean, tremendous kind of courage, courageous faith of some young boys. I mean, throughout the Bible, we're told to live those kinds of lives, those kinds of courageous lives, bold lives of faith, that our attitudes, our perspectives should be one of boldness and courage as we trust in and as we follow Jesus and we live life with him. Joshua 1, 7 through 9 uh, is just one of these places. I, <laughs> I was tempted to preach on this this week because he, he just keeps saying this phrase over and over and over. You'll see it twice in, this, in this, uh, these two verses. But he says, be strong and very courageous, God tells to Joshua after Moses has died. He says, be strong and courageous he's, as he's calling him out to be the leader. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may, you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. What's the book of the law, by the way? Book of the law. Bible, right? Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and, what's that word? Courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says this, since we have this new covenant, it gives us great confidence and we are very bold. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Friends, we are made, we are intended to live out bold and courageous, faith-filled lives for our God. And let me just say that when I get to the end of my life, I don't know about you, but I want that to be said of me, right? Like, I, I mean, in the same way that, that we look back on those heroes of the faith of old and we say, man, can you believe the way they followed God even when it was hard? Can you believe the way they stood with God, right? I mean, wouldn't you want that to be the story of your life to say, man, I had the character and the courage to stand and to follow, even when it wasn't popular, even when there was great cost, even when it looked like my life might have ended or things were not going to go well, that I stood with God, character and courage. Don't you want that to be said of you? Man, when I, you can 
stamp that on my tombstone. That would be awesome if people look back and say, man, that's what I remember. If God looked at you and said, you know what? You lived out the calling I gave to you with courage, with courageous faith, and with tremendous character and heart. Man, that's the good stuff there. And I think God is looking for, God is calling us to be leaders, to be men and women that live with character, right? Like we talked about last week, character, heart, uh, that kind of stuff, but also have the courage to put it into practice, courage to stand no matter what comes. I think it's my observation. I think probably most of us want to live those kinds of lives. We want to live our lives and be people of character. We want to be people that have courage, courage and a boldness of heart, the kind of heart that a young shepherd boy had when he went out to, to take on a giant named Goliath armed with only a couple of rocks and a slingshot. I think most of us want to exhibit that kind of courage and character in our lives, and yet I think so often fear paralyzes us. And so this morning, uh, I just want us to spend our time together. I want us to learn some lessons and, uh, about building and developing a bolder heart, a more courageous heart and character and trust in God. And we're going to learn it from uh, David and an encounter he had with Goliath. It's a popular one. We've taught on it before. And yet I couldn't get the picture out of my mind this week of when I think of courageously standing, courageously uh, living with God and following God this boy, this picture of a boy standing before a giant. Now, the story's pretty long, so I'm going to paraphrase it. It comes from 1 Samuel 17. You can read it later, and then as we go through a few points, I'm going to read chunks of the story today. But let me just, if you're not as familiar, or if it's been a while, let me just kind of refresh your story, refresh the, the story for you a little bit. But the story starts out with a Goliath, a champion warrior of the Philistine, who comes in front of his army, the army of Israel, and as was custom in that day, he sort of challenges the battle. There's a couple of different ways you could, you could duke this thing out. Either you could have one army face an opposing army and you guys could just kill each other until one of you cries uncle right and there's hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands dead on the battlefield and you can do that like kind of a fight to the death all the way uh, as a way to see who wins or sometimes they'd say you know what let's to spare life to make this simpler you send out your best warrior and we'll send out our best warrior they can fight each other and whoever it's sort of a winner takes all kind of thing right it's sort of like you know whoever wins then their army their nation their country wins the battle and the others will have to serve and you know come come in line with with them does that make sense and so th that's kind of what happens in this story. Goliath is their champion. And so he comes out, the Bible gives us a snapshot of, 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 of him. He says, Goliath was over nine feet tall. He had a, a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of armor that weighed between 175 and 200 pounds. I mean, think about that. 175 pounds of armor. He had a spear that the tip of it, uh, the head of it, would weigh 25 pounds. That's the spear that he's going to take and hurl in your direction. I mean, you think about that. Uh, gulp. This guy was a monster. He was strong. He was intimidating. He was not an easy foe to come up against. Now, the obvious guy, of course, to, to face Goliath was Saul. Saul was the king of that day, the king in the land. The Bible tells that he was actually head and shoulders taller and head and shoulders above all the other Israelites. He, too, was a big man. It made sense. He was the king. It made sense for him to go out and face Goliath. But he wasn't eager to do so. Why do you think that was? 
<laughs> yeah, his knees were knocking, right? He's like, I don't think so. This is, he's scary. I did not want to go out and face this guy. And so instead, instead he decides, I'm going to put together a nice compensation package to, to, <laughs> in case anybody else wants to do this. He said, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm going to give you a tax-free living for the rest of your life, and I'm going to uh, give you the hand of my daughter in marriage for, for any, anybody that will face this monster, Goliath. And so he makes the offer and says, anybody, you know, anybody? <laughs> For 40 days and 40 nights, nobody steps forward. No one steps forward whatsoever. For 40 days, Goliath comes out and faces down God's people, and he taunts them, and he talk, talks smack to them, right? And he again and again and again, basically he calls them cowards. And why, why do you think he calls them that? Because they kind of were, right? Because they're like, I'm not doing any scary, you know, kind of stuff. And so day after day after day after day, this keeps happening, and nobody steps forward. Meanwhile, 10 or 15 miles away in an obscure little village was David, who was out in the fields shepherding his father's sheep. And one day his father tells David to go to the battlefront because his three brothers are there, and he says, take some food with you, give it to your brothers and to their commanding officer. Now, for 40 days, Goliath again has been taunting the Israelites. They've been living in fear and in defeat for more than a month. But on the 41st day, one little Israelite is going to take on a task that nobody else would. On the 41st day, the history of Saul, the history of Goliath, the history of David, and all of Israel is about to be changed forever because one little shepherd boy with a skinny little body but a courageous heart a bold faith in a big God was willing to step up when nobody else would. I mean, you know the story probably. You probably heard it. So this shepherd boy named David goes out, challenges the giant. He takes a sling and some rocks. <laughs> the first stone he puts in the sling, slays the giant, wins the war. It's, it, it's an amazing story. And I don't know, know about you, but as I read that, I find myself, even as I read the story this week, I find myself longing and be like, you know what, I want to have courage like that. I want to have character that stands. I want to have confidence in God enough that says, you know what, I'll stand up even if, even if it's cost me my life, right? That I will stand with God. I will follow God into the fight. In the time we got left, I just want to look at kind of four lessons on character and courage from this story. The first one is really this. Uh, it's character and courage are built every day. I mean, we tend to think that I think uh, that courage and character and bold faith like that just sort of spring up out of nowhere in moments where we need it. When we face Goliath, we think, man, I think I'll, I'll just be ready in that, in that day. We think that those things will develop sort of out of the blue on the 41st day. But in reality, bold hearts and bold trust in God that way, they're built in the everyday challenges of life. Here's the thought that the words that just kind of kept coming to my, my head as I was uh, reading this week is that every day we are practicing to become either courageous men and women of God or we're practicing to become cowards. Which one are you practicing? Which one am I practicing on a daily basis? Are we, are we practicing stepping back out of fear, being paralyzed by the what-ifs, or are we courageously trusting God and stepping out in faith and saying, you know what, God, I'll follow no matter what. Whatever you have, I'm in. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. says this, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. 
When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from his flock, I went after it. I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will be able to rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you, right? He's like, yeah, go ahead, go face this, it'll be great. But I think, I think what's interesting to me, right, is, is there's process. It's not just David showing up one day and being able to face down a giant. That's not how it works. David says, you know, I've practiced this. I've been, I've been walking with God day in and day out. I've taken courageous stands before and I have seen God come through. I mean, imagine you're David. You're out in a field. You're watching your father's sheep. They're not even yours, right? Along comes a lion. Along comes a bear and starts eyeing some of your sheep. He's hungry. He's going to get some food. Now, you're the only one there. You don't have a gun. What's your weapon of choice? What do you have? A big stick, likely, is what you had. That's what a shepherd would have, a staff. You have a big stick, they're coming for one of yours. It would be real easy for you just to step back and be like, okay, I'm just going to look the other way. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to pretend everything's fine. I mean, it's just me and the sheep. Nobody else is going to know, and the sheep aren't talking, right? It's, it'll be fine. No one will ever know. It's not a big deal, right? This is not worth dying over, but that's not what he did, is it? That's not what he did. He said, no, no. I'm going to stand and I'm going to protect what's been entrusted to me. It's like every time that happened, I'd go after him. I mean, can you imagine a little, little, little man, a little boy with a, with a staff go, running after a bear, <laughs> running after a mountain lion or whatever that is in that day? I mean, put that down, whacking him. He's like, when they turned on me, I took him out. I killed him. He said, and, and so fascinating. He's practiced, he's practiced courage again and again and again. He's practiced so, you know, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to step out and trust God no matter what. It's practice. It's learned in the day-to-day. That's why character and courage are. But the other thing that I, I think is fascinating about this is that he, he doesn't uh, get to a point and say, you know, I've learned the lesson that I am bigger and stronger than any bear or lion. That's not what he says, is it? He says, no, no, here's the thing. God has been able to rescue me from the mouth and from the hand of these, the lion, the bear, everything else, and God can deliver me again. And it's like, man, that is where faith is built. We like to think that it'll just magically happen, but man, it is built courage, like a courageous faith, following and trusting God. Like it's, it's built in the day in and day out, following, standing, stepping out. I don't know about you, but for me anyway, I think there's probably some lions and some bears that it feels like are coming after us in one way or another. Maybe you're facing something difficult at work, and it'd be real easy to look the other way. It'd be real easy to, to maybe fudge a little bit or step back and let somebody else do it. It'd be easy maybe to just not give your best there. Or we could courageously pray, God, I'm yours. Would you use me? With your help, I want to go after that bear. I want, to, I want to live for you at work. I want to give you my best. 
And we step out like that, we get a little bit bolder. Maybe there's something going on with your family, maybe with your kids. Maybe there's some sort of a challenge, uh, maybe it's a behavior that needs to be uh, worked on or a way that they're heading in the wrong direction or whatever, and you're afraid to confront it because it's going to mean a ton of work for you, right, as parents? You're like, oh, man, I did not want to mess with that. It's so much easier. Maybe I could just give them an iPad, right, stick it in front, I'll just sort of check out, give them my phone, give them whatever, like just, I don't really want to have to deal with that kind of character issue, that kind of behavioral issue. I don't want to have to deal with that kind of a thing. Or we can say courageously, we can say, God, with your help, I want to, I want to step into the job you've given me of helping to shape and form and direct hearts and lives, right? I want, to, I want to lead them well. I want to pray with them and for them. I want to go after that bear. Maybe things with your spouse have been uh, pretty hard lately. Maybe it's been stressful. Maybe there's been hurtful things that have been said. Maybe you've been feeling alone or whatever. Maybe you've been pretending that everything's okay, but deep down you know it's not be easy to ignore it. Either that, our, our, our tendency as a society is either to ignore it or to just cut off the relationship, right? But maybe God's saying, you know, those are not the answers. That's not the solution. Maybe God's saying, go after that bear <laughs> that you're married to, <laughs> right? <laughs> go, go after him. Right? Go, go after this. Invest in that relationship. Forgive and be forgiven. Lift up, raise up, pray together. Go fight for it right? Go after it. God, with your help, I'm going after that. I'll tell you what, it's in the everyday moments of life when nobody else is watching in an unglamorous job as a shepherd that David, day after day, built a courageous heart. If he'd waited until he faced Goliath, he would have likely stood in line with the other soldiers, petrified and, you know, stoic, right? Just in fear of what's going to happen. But instead, he was able to face down the giant and win the day. Let me ask you this morning, what kind of lions or bears are there in your life these days that God might be asking you to address? I mentioned already kids, jobs, marriages, maybe forgiveness, right? It's one of those things. Maybe that's the, the bear that you're facing down. There's been some hurt in relationship and you've been avoiding it or cutting it off or whatever and God is asking you to forgive, to stare that sucker down and forgive go after it. Maybe there's a sin or addiction, something again that you've been trying to ignore, <laughs> trying to pretend, trying to explain away, oh yeah, it's not that, it's just I can stop anytime I want. And God's putting a finger on it saying, it's time, would you go after that bear? Would you face that thing down? Would you confess it? Would you get help? Would you turn back to me and take a stand? It's where courage is built in the, every, in the little things, in the everyday kinds of things. Maybe God has, has been nudging you or tapping you on the shoulder to love somebody who's unlovable or to serve. So maybe to step out in leadership or in ministry or whatever into a new role in, in one way or another. And God's been tapping you and you have been backing up saying, yeah, I don't think so. I don't th uh, you got the wrong guy, not me. And God's saying, would you, would you stare down that giant? Would you stare down that bear? Would you stare down that lion and take a stand? Until we trust God, until we step out in the little things, we won't be ready for the big moments that come. I better keep going. Second one. Courage and character are built in the face of criticism, and I'll just hit this one briefly. But man, anybody that has ever stepped into leadership knows this to be true. 
Listen to this, 1 Samuel 17, 26 through 28. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I like his attitude. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what, the, what they had been saying and, and, and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's closest brother, or oldest brother, I should say, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness, boy? <laughs> right? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Is that a fair criticism? We know the rest of the story, and so the answer is no, right? It's undeserved criticism. I mean, these are cheap shots that he's taking. He's basically calling David a coward. You came down here, just, you were just a little shepherd boy. You just came down to spectate, to watch the deal. What's right? You should shut your mouth. If I had to guess, I'd say his brother was reacting to David's courage more than anything else. I mean, they'd been out there for 40 days while Goliath had marched up and down the ranks, mocking them and making them feel like cowards. Then David shows up, shows just a, a, a glimmer of courage, and the brother gets a glimpse of his own cowardice. Here's the phrase that I was thinking of with this one this week. I was, I was thinking, man, if we cower before a Goliath long enough, it takes away our self-respect. It eats away at who we are. So he starts getting defensive. He powers up on his younger brother. He starts calling him out rather than looking at his own life. I think this is a good word for me this week about how David responds because David sort of blows it off. I mean, he could have been, he could have wasted time fighting with his brother all day long, but instead he says, what have I done? Can't I even speak? And then he turns away and he goes on. He's kind of got the attitude that says, God has something bigger and better for me to do. I'm not going to get sidetracked by some unfair criticism. And he moves on, and his heart gets a little bit bolder that day. Friends, every time you and I take a courageous step for God, you're going to catch some heat. It's the way it is. You'll catch some unfair criticism along the way. I remember, I mean, this has happened to us pretty much our entire adult life. I remember taking a courageous step, being 24 years old, and, uh, and moving to a town we didn't know anybody to start a church uh, up in northeast Wisconsin. And uh, we thought people would be excited <laughs> about it. I don't know. We thought, it'd be great. Who's not going to like this kind of thing? And I can remember the first time we did like a big mailer or whatever else, we started getting hate mail back. We started getting, we started getting, uh, I'd, I'd literally get, I'd go in and check the answering machine. People would be on there cussing us out, like for reaching out and for starting a church and for trying to reach people and all this kind of stuff. And, the, uh, you know, sometimes we'd get nasty emails. Sometimes people would accuse us of all kinds of things wrong. The thing that I think never ceased to amaze me is I would expect it if it was from, let's say, atheists, if it was from uh, people that were very, very far from God, if it was from that kind of stuff. But can I just say, most of the time, I'd say probably 95% of the time, you don't, you don't know where it came from. Yeah, it came from Christians, right? It came from brothers. It came from sisters. It came from people that should have been most excited, that should have been on the team, that should have been cheering and saying, way to go, way to follow God, way, way to take a risk to reach people. 
and, and I have to say, when that happens, I think sometimes it's, it's so much harder. It's so much more painful because it's hard just to know what to say. That's exactly what happens here with David, right? David, it's his own brother, right? It's his own brother saying, man, who are you? Where do you get off? You think you're the hero here? You're just coming to watch, right? Let the real men do it, you know, kind of stuff. He's taking pot shots from his own brother. And I have to say, man, that's hard. But part of leadership, part of character, and part of courage are being willing to follow God and to step out even when it's not popular, even when others might be taking pot shots at you, even when it hurts sometimes. There are moments where we say, you know, where we have to say, though none go with me, still I will follow, right? No turning back, no turning back. I'm following God no matter what. I'm with Him. As we do that, even in the face of criticism, our hearts, our character, our courage grows a little deeper. Third one uh, is character and courage are built when we don't conform. (laughs) This is just a fun one. But this is... uh, starting with verse 32, says this, David said to Saul, uh, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant. He's saying, I will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight against this Philistine and fight him. Uh, you're, the, you're only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. Let's jump ahead to verse 38. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. <laughs> he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword uh, over the tunic and tried to <laughs> tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go out in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. And so he took them off, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in his pouch the, of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. Now, I just was thinking about that this week and thinking, man, it's There'd have been some pressure there. Uh, David, David had never really been in a major war offensive. He'd never been in a big battle before. Saul is a warrior. He's the king, right? He's got experience with this kind of stuff. And so uh, David comes and he says, man, you're not up for this. And so Saul puts his armor on him. I mean, can you imagine, right? Saul's like a, I don't know, 46 long and <laughs> David's like a 28 short or something. I don't know, something. He's just a little, little tiny guy. And uh, I mean, so he, he's wearing this stuff. It's clunky. He's like, man, I can't, I can't move in this. I can't. There'd have been pressure. Saul's trying to make a little mini me. He's trying to make David into, you, you can be like me. It'll be great. And there's this moment where David has to say, I, I can't. I mean, I, I can't be like you. That's not who I am. David knows enough at this point to know actually on his own, he's toast. <laughs> His hope and where he's putting his trust is to be who God has called him to be and trust in a big God to come and rescue him. And that's what happens. But there's this great moment where he's like, I can't conform. I can't can't be who you want me to be. I can't just be a little mini version of you. I have to be who God has called me to be. And that's where I stand. I can do no other. I think there's kind of, there's pressures that may be different, but pressures like that on you and I to conform every day isn't there? When we're living, you know, out there, we're at work or we're at school or we're at wherever, and maybe there's a, a little culture where there's just gossip, just gossip. Okay, can I pick? I mean, maybe, maybe it's gossip. Like, we're going to talk about our husbands and talk about all the ways that they just, you know, we're going we're gonna to do some of that kind of stuff, and we're going to complain, and we're going to whatever, and, and there's this pressure of, like, if you want to fit in and you want to be a part of the culture and you want to be accepted, that you have to sort of go along with it. 
And there's this choice that you have of like, am I going to go or am I going to stand? Am I going to take a courageous stand and say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of anything that, that tears down marriages, that tears down relationships, that talks bad about. What's, what's that about? I'm not doing it. Or maybe there's pressures at work or in some other uh, kind of setting where there's pressure to compromise in one way or another, maybe some unethical behavior to turn a, a blind eye. Maybe there's a culture that says, hey, you know, if you want to get ahead, you got to go out for drinks and you got to flirt with the right people and you got to do the, you got to play the game and do the, and God says, you know, take a stand. You don't need to play. The, why don't you just live well for me? Be you. Don't try to be conformed to this, whatever this image is out there. It's not honoring to me. Right? Stand. Be who I've made you to be. Stand and follow me in that kind of context. Maybe there's pressure in one way or another. Maybe God's been tapping on you to, to reach out and to love somebody that's unlovable. And the, the reality is, is that they are not thought very well of. Either people in the community, people at work, people whatever, they look down on them. This is sort of an outcast kind of person. And they're, they look down, they mock them, they talk about them behind their back at the water cooler. They're whispering, kind of stuff. And God said, you know, I want you to go and love them. I want you to go and serve them. You're like, God, I can't do it. If I do that, I'm going to be an outcast. Right? I'm going to, and God says, you know what? It's time. You need to choose who you're going to be. Will you take a stand? Will you, will you have the character and the courage to follow me and not conform, even when there's pressure to be swept along? Friends, this is huge. We cannot influence others. We cannot lead if we're worried about fitting in all the time. But every time that you and I take a stand, every time we, uh, we resist the pressure to conform, we get a little bit bolder. And I think God smiles a little bit as well. Friends, God has made you uniquely you. And his path and his calling and his purpose stem out of who you are and whose you are. Don't deny it. Don't stuff it. Don't hide it. Don't hate it. Have the courage to live for God as you. Don't conform. Be set apart for God. Be who he's made you to be and follow him. Live for him. Have courage. And the fourth one is this. Character and courage are built in moments of crisis. This is the last one, right? Finally, if we have taken the small steps in the day-to-day, -day, we've continued to be bold in the face of criticism, we've stepped up, up and sort of resisted that tendency to conform, then we're ready for the bigger moments of crisis when we can stand and grow in even greater levels of boldness. Let's finish the rest of the story. Verse 41 says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. And I'll give, I'll give you uh, your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals. And David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. It's pretty graphic. <laughs> this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. 
All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. I mean, look, that's, that's courageous confidence in God, is it not? He's living confidently for the only one that matters. The skinny kid steps up to the giant with one weapon, and that weapon is his confidence and courage and trust in an all-powerful God. And that kid dropped the giant that day. He won the war. He changed history. He saw God work and had newfound confidence and trust in the Lord as a result. He ends up becoming the leader of God's people, the king of God's people in that day. And what God did for David, friends, he can do in you too. He can build that kind of character and that kind of courageous heart in you. I don't know what your Goliath might be this morning. It could be failure. Some of us are paralyzed by a fear of failure. It could be a difficult person that, that just keeps showing up in your life and you've got to deal with. It could be a sin or an addiction that you're wrestling with. Maybe some kind of uh, vocational decision that is before you in your life and you're just terrified to make it. It could be a risk that God has put before you. It could be a marriage that you're afraid to hope for again. I don't know what your Goliath is, but I know this. I know if you let your Goliath, whatever it is, if you let it intimidate you, if you let him convince you that you're helpless, if you run away day after day after day like the Israelites, you'll die a little bit more every day of your life. You will lose heart. And friends, your life is too important. The, the task, the, the opportunities that God has put before you are too important to live that day, to live that way. But I also know if you turn and you put your faith and your trust in God, that he can use you the way you are, that plus one small stone in confidence in a big God delivers Goliath. Goliath doesn't stand a chance. As I read through the pages of God's book, I'm just reminded again and again that God tends to use people who have, who have character, who are willing to stand with him and follow him and have the courage to actually do it. They have a bias towards action to live this stuff out, to say, you know what, God, I'm following you no matter what. And I, here I stand, right? I can do no other. God, are you asking me to, to, to set the standard, to live a life of purity? Well, I'll do it. Here I stand. Are you asking me to, 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 to walk with you in holiness? Well, I'll do it. Is there, is there some way that I can serve you? I'll do it. How are you, where, where are you calling me to go? What are you calling me? I'm going to live for you. Just give me the courage and the character to stand, and I'll follow you no matter what. Character and courage. Friends, I wonder what God might be tapping you on the shoulder about today. If there are ways that he's asking you to take a stand if there's steps or actions that he's asking you to take, my prayer for us is that God would use us, that he would turn us into people that have hearts like his and that have tremendous courage to follow and to trust where he leads. Let's close in prayer. God, that's our cry this morning. Um, I pray that, that uh, like David, God, that you would build uh, character and courage in us, that you'd teach us to follow, that you'd teach us to to just walk with you, to, to, to stand down, uh, or to stand up, I should say, I guess, uh, before the giants that are before us, 
that even in the midst of those things, God, that we could put our trust and our hope in you. That day by day by day, we'd be choosing even the hard things, but choosing to stand, choosing to follow, choosing to serve, choosing to, to speak for you and to live for you, to serve the way you call us to serve and to love the way you call us to love and to whatever, just live with integrity and and stand before the giants of our day. In all these things, God, may you, uh, may you be glorified. May you bring your kingdom to bear in our lives. We love you. We need you, God. We, we just offer ourselves to you afresh today and just pray that you'd come and have your way. May your kingdom come and your will be done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.